Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. All right. Well, um, if you have a Bible, you can grab it. If you have the Bible app, you can open it. Um, if you don't have the Bible app, I encourage you to download the Version Bible app. Start a uh, Bible reading plan. Get in God's Word. It's so important. Um, but uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Or you could also follow along if you click the events, and you can follow along in the notes there as well. Um, so on this grad night, we're going to conclude our series, Via Dolorosa. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about stress. And I think it's an, a fitting, appropriate teaching um, as we transition. And not just for the seniors. I know um, all of us are wrapping up um, a semester of school. For some of you, you're, you're going to a different school next year. Or maybe you're, you're, you're new to Vero. And um, all of this is new for you. So we're going to talk about, an, I think, an important topic, um, how to deal with stress. All right. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says this, they, that's Jesus and the disciples, went to a place called Gethsemane. Everyone say Gethsemane. Great job. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is Week. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I've titled this message Fight or Flight. Fight or flight. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for your grace. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us in a fresh way um, and God be glorified. Lord, would you help us to have soft hearts, open minds to hear from you. Help us to pay attention to what you want to say. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to tell a story about an experience that I had. Some of you guys know this. It's probably my most popular story that I tell, but I'm going to tell you guys. It's the first time in a public setting like this. Anyways, uh, last November I was surfing, and uh, it was um, very, uh, the ocean was very active with waves and with creatures um, in the water. And there was a big school of bait fish, and I was at Sebastian Inlet, and what tends to happen is the bait fish get um, caught in uh, the jetty, and they can't get through it, and so just schools of fish hang out there, and then uh, uh, predators come, and it's like, it's a buffet, essentially. So um, there was, this is a funny word, but it was very sharky, which is like not a normal, I don't think that's a, a verb, but it was very sharky. Um, there's a lot of sharks. 
and uh, the sharks were chasing the schools of fish. Well, um, a big school of fish had drifted in closer to where people were surfing. And in a sort of a blink of an eye, um, a guy was caught up in the school of fish. A shark had his eyes rolls, rolled back in the back of its head, just sort of munching, sort of like hungry, hungry hippo. And all of a sudden, a guy shouts, it got me. The shark had mistaken his hand um, for, for, for dinner. Well, in that moment, I kid you not, in that moment, me and another guy sprung into action like superheroes. Um, we immediately paddled over towards this guy, and we began to, well, blood pouring out of him, began to push him to the beach. He was paddling with one arm, and me and this other guy, his name's Ted, shout out Ted, um, were, were pushing him, taking turns, pushing this guy to the beach until finally we got to the beach. I kind of get weird with blood, not going to lie. Um, and so I said, I'm going to run up, and I'll call 911. Um, and then Ted took off his surfboard leash, tied it around his arm like a tourniquet, and uh, stopped the bleeding. Ambulance uh, took him to the hospital. He's fine. The funny thing was, um, is he was a, like an elementary school teacher, and his students uh, got him like a gift basket, all shark-themed, <laughs> which was just hysterical. Um, anyways, but it, it, it was crazy in, in this moment, like in, in like this instinct. And if you're interested afterwards, I've got the video of the whole thing happening. Um, but, uh, but in, in, in this moment sort of reaction and you sort of see people in the video do one of three things. There's me and Ted heroically shout out me, um, <laughs> paddle over and, uh, help, help this guy. Uh, other people literally paddle away from it. They're seeing all of the, the action. And then most people just sort of stand there indifferently. Now, let me tell you another story. Um, this was winter retreat 2022. We're playing paintball, right? Um, all of a sudden, in the middle of the final battle, uh, one of our leaders by the name of Matthew Slip gets super into it. <laughs> and uh, he runs into the bus. He doesn't duck low enough, and the top of the bus clips him in the head and basically skins his head and leaves a, takes a giant chunk out of his head. Um, and in that moment, they call, pause, stop the game, like it's over. And I kid you not, I'm the youth pastor. I'm in charge of the whole event, the whole thing. I freeze. Jason McCurry, wherever he is, is he here tonight? Dang it. Jason McCurry like jumps into action. All these people start helping him. They take him off. They, they, they stitch him up. They drive him to, to Shane, drives him to the hospital. Like this whole thing, a bunch of heroes. And I kid you not, I froze. Like I stood on the, I'm like, what's going on? Me and Charles, I think we're terrified. <laughs> Charles is like, I'm never playing paintball again. <laughs> but it was, it was, in that moment, like this, I, I didn't spring into action. I froze. And there's something that happens whenever you're, you're faced with a difficult circumstance. There, there's this instinct within you to either fight or to run, right? There's, this, there's something in you. Should, should I move towards what's dangerous um, or should I run away from it? And if you're me, depending on the season and the situation, you either run towards it or run away from it. Um, how do you respond to stress is basically what the question I'm getting at. How do you react when things, when difficulty and hardship and frustration and, and stress is coming your way? Jesus in this story is facing his most difficult challenge yet. And what that challenge is, is an internal struggle within himself. Jesus up until this point has walked on water. 
He's had to feed thousands of people all at once. He's dealt with demonic possession. He's even encountered people dying or dead. Yet none of that has caused him to feel sorrow to the point of death. None of that has caused him to feel stress. But this internal conflict in this garden has, type, has caused this extreme stress. It wasn't the exterior stuff. It was this internal conflict that caused him to feel this way. Jesus was deeply troubled and stressed. Now, he was experiencing this because he knew what was coming. He was about to go to the cross. Now, it wasn't stress because of the physical pain that he was going to endure. That's not why Jesus was stressed. He wasn't thinking about the pain that he was going to endure and causing, I don't know if I want to go through with that. Although, the pain he was going to, uh, about to endure would be unlike anything any of us will ever experience. He would be mocked and beaten, literally hit in the face while blindfolded people ripping out chunks of his hair, chunks of his beard. He would be scourged, which was basically they would be tied to a pole and whipped what was commonly referred to as a cat of nine tails. And it was a whip with nine lashes on it with shards of glass or broken bone woven into the tips of it. And they would beat them about 39 to 40 times. Um, usually the idea was to draw a confession out of the, the, the criminal. Jesus had nothing to confess, and so he would endure all 40 of those lashes. He would then have a crown of thorns twisted upon his head until blood was pouring out of his head, and then ultimately he would be crucified, which would have nails driven in his hands and in his feet, and then he would ultimately die of suffocation. But that's not why Jesus was stressed, (laughs) Jesus wasn't afraid of the physical pain he was about to endure. He wasn't sitting there in that garden praying and pleading with God that his cup would be taken from him because he was nervous or afraid about the pain he was about to endure. He was stressed because of the spiritual implications of his death. He was going to drink the cup of God's wrath, the Bible says. He would experience all of the punishment of God's wrath for the sins of all humanity. The Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, would become sin there on the cross. And Jesus is carrying the weight of that stress. His fear is not the physical pain. His his fear is the spiritual implications of what is about to happen in the next few hours. And it caused Jesus a great deal of stress. And we see here that it caused stress physically, emotionally, and mentally for Jesus. That his stress was, was physical, emotional, and mental. Let's break that down. Number one, Jesus was stressed physically. We're told that while Jesus was praying, he began to sweat drops of blood. It says it like this in Luke 22. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly... And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. It's called um, hematidrosis. It's basically when tiny blood vessels in the skin begin to burst. So blood comes out and it looks like it's coming out of your pores. It looks like it's sweating out. What it is is it's such intense stress and fatigue that the actual skin begins to burst and blood comes out of the pores. 
It's interesting because even to this day, doctors don't know exactly what causes it, although it is a real medical condition. But it has something to do with this fight or flight response in your body. When you're dealing with that internal conflict, something in that triggers this sort of physical reaction. Jesus was dealing with this tension. He's going to continue to move forward into what he's called to do. Is he going to do that or is he going to back away? This is the stress. This is the tension. Jesus is determining, am I going to continue to move forward into what's next? Or am I going to sort of shrink back and walk away? And his body was carrying the weight of that stress. Not only did it cause him physical stress, it also caused him emotional stress. Listen to this. Hebrews 5 is describing Jesus in the garden. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He, the son, he, uh, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. It says that Jesus prayed with fervent cries and tears. Jesus felt deep sorrow and fear and worry and stress as he was looking out at what was ahead. And then third, not only was it physical and emotional, but it was also, also mental. Jesus says that he is overwhelmed to the point of death. That's what he says. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? We tend to exaggerate, you know, we'll say things like, I'm starving. Right? And it means we haven't eaten in like an hour and a half. Like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. Like, we say things like that. Jesus says he's feeling sorrow to the point of death. He feels like he's going to die. Now, I don't think that this stress is going to kill him, but he felt like it would. Jesus is feeling in this moment like this, this situation, this right here, what I'm feeling right now, what I'm experiencing is going to kill me. And he's trying to decide right now if it's going to be worth it. What's interesting is, is just before this situation, Jesus, make, Jesus says, he makes a prayer and he says, would I ask for God to save me from this hour? He says, it's for this hour I've come. He recognizes that this is the moment. This is the reason he's come. All of his life is leading to the cross. All of his life is leading to the death and resurrection where he will pay the punishment for all of humanity's sin. And he says, would I ask God to save me from this hour? It's for this hour I've come. And yet right here in this moment, he's trying to decide, am I going to keep going or am I going to give up? He's got this mental battle that's going on. What am I going to do? Am I going to stop? Am I going to give in? Am I going to keep going? And the stress of what was coming was causing Jesus to experience it in a physical way. As he sweats drops of blood. In an emotional way as he weeps and cries for God to change it. And in a mental way as he's trying to decide, am I going to keep moving forward? And yet... Jesus continues to move forward and doesn't run away from the stress, but continues to move into what God has called him to do. How does he do it? How does he keep moving forward through the stress and more stress than anyone else has ever or will ever experience? How did he keep moving forward? Well, I want to show us three things that allow Jesus to keep moving forward. And I just want to say for many of us, for a lot of us, we deal with serious stress. 
Now, none of us carry the weight of the sins of all of humanity. None of us deal with the stress like Jesus dealt with it to the degree that he dealt with it. But for many of us, we deal with stress. We get overwhelmed. And the same sort of reaction happens. We feel it in our bones. We feel it in our emotions. And we have these mental sort of fights that take place where we're like, can I keep going? Is it worth continuing on? How do we, like Jesus, keep moving forward to what he was called to do? Three quick things. Number one, you got to stop and you got to pray. You have to stop and you have to pray. This is the central thing in the story, Jesus praying. He tells his disciples to pray, and then he goes and prays. And notice it's kind of subtle. He comes back an hour later, and he finds them sleeping. Jesus, for an hour, is praying. Now, I think that's worth note, because I think probably for many of our prayers, we're proud of ourselves if we last a minute. Right? Like, if we're honest, like, if we last five minutes, we kind of crushed it. Like, if you're up into double digits of prayer time, you are like a prayer warrior. Like, we will give you that title. You are a prayer warrior. Why? Well, I, you pray for 11 minutes. Come on, brother and sister. Like, you are a prayer warrior. <laughs> but for many of us, we, we struggle to finish the sentence in our prayer. For many of us, we, we, we start our prayer and then we get... We get sort of lost and sidetracked, and then we come back to it, and we're like, where was I? Oh, yeah, this. And, and Jesus, for an hour, is praying. This isn't casual or a vague prayer. Jesus is pleading with fervent cries and tears to God. He's begging God to show up in his life. Prayer allows you to really bring your heart and your problems to God. Too often we throw up one prayer or one idea and then we wonder why nothing's happened. Jesus prayed with desperation. Jesus pleaded that God would answer his prayer. And prayer like this forces you to stop whatever you're doing and focus on God. You have to stop stressing to start praying. You have to stop fearing and start praying. You have to stop worrying and start praying. Because one of the things about stress is that it either comes from indecision, right, or fear of the unknown. So we get stressed out because we don't know what's happening. I don't know what's around the corner for, for you seniors that are graduating. That's probably some of the stress you're feeling. I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know what the next month is going to look like or six months or a year. I'm, I have no clue, and I'm feeling overwhelmed. But sometimes stress happens from thinking of everything all at once, right? You're, you're thinking about maybe it's graduation, college, picking a major job, career, family, life, and you're like, all of it is happening at one time, and you're overwhelmed, right? You're, it's not stress because of the unknown. It's stress because you know too much, <laughs> or you're thinking and planning and strategizing and figuring it out, and I have to get there, and I got to do this, and I, ah, and then you're just and the point is, is to stop because prayer causes you to stop and focus on whatever's right in front of you. Can I give you some encouragement as you stress, especially if you tend to think about everything all at once, to stop and pray, articulate one need to God. God, right now I need this. <laughs> like right now I need to get up and I need to get dressed. <laughs> right now I need to get up and I need to go 
find something to eat. Right now, I need to finish this assignment. Right now, I need to apply to this college. Right now, I need to apply to this job. Right? It's stop and focus on one need. Stop and pray. The second thing that we, G- we see Jesus do is, is he prays with friends. Number two, Jesus prays with friends. Now, this story has a little bit of extra heartbreak as Jesus keeps coming back to his friends, having to wake them up and say, hey, guys, I really need you right now. Could you pray for me? And Jesus leaves, and he prays for an hour, and he comes back, and he finds his friends asleep, and he wakes them up, and he goes, hey, could you, could you guys not pray with me for one hour? I, I need you right now. I need you to watch, and I need you to pray. Jesus leaves again, <laughs> and a third time he comes back, and there they are. And I love the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. He, he, says, he says that, they're, they're, that they're, they want to, they have a desire to, but, but they're, the, he says their spirit is willing, but their flesh is weak. The idea is that they want to pray with him, but they're tired. It says that their eyes were heavy, and so they fell asleep. It's not like they're abandoning Jesus. They're, they're, it's just reality. It's the middle of the night. They've had a long day, and, and they don't understand all of the implications of what's happening. All they know is Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go pray. Would you guys stay awake and pray with me? There's this desire from Jesus to have people alongside him praying with him and praying for him. And listen, one of the ways we can walk through stress is by having people that can help us carry that stress. By having people that you can say, hey, would you stay up with me tonight and pray? Hey, I'm really struggling. I don't know what, what tomorrow is going to look like, and I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of bed, so would you pray for me? Or maybe if you know you've got a friend that's dealing with great levels of stress, would you put it in your phone to remind yourself to pray for them every day? I'm going to set a reminder at 10 a.m. to pray for my friend blank because I know that they are struggling. And we're going to be people that are going to pray for one another. We're going to be friends that stand with each other. We're going to be friends that don't just laugh with one another or just don't have a good time with one another, but people that stand spiritually with one another and pray for each other, knowing that like Jesus, we need somebody. Hey, would you watch and pray for the next hour with me because I'm, I'm about to deal with some stress. But notice, notice that they, they fail, right? All three times they're asleep. All three times they're like, they're like he's like, hey, hey Peter, um, would you pray, dude? Like, would you just stay awake and pray? But I think it's important that we know this. Friends are not supposed to be perfect. Friends are not supposed to have all the answers. Because if our friends had all the answers, we'd never go to God. If our friends were always the ones carrying our load, we would never give it to God. And so friends are not supposed to be the the ones that carry all the weight for you. They can help, but let me tell you, they cannot do it all for you. And if you try to give all of your stuff to them, they are inevitably going to be overwhelmed and stressed just like you are. So it's important that we lock arms with each other and say, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stay awake with you, but I'm not dependent upon a person. Because only Jesus can carry your stuff. Only Jesus can be the one that's going to walk with you and pray for you and be there for you. The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he ever lives to make intercession for you. And so when your friends fail to pray for you, Jesus is praying for you. 
And you can be confident knowing that Jesus is with you. But it is so crucial for you, especially in season of transition, to have people that you say, hey, would you pray with me? Point number three, got to submit to God's will. Submit to God's will. This is where this moment in Jesus' life all comes to a head. He cries out to God, God, if there's any other way, would you take this cup from me? Now, Jesus is really drawing on an Old Testament idea where it talks about the wrath of God being poured out. And Jesus is about to drink the wrath of God. He's going to drink it to the bottom. It's basically he's going he's to, every drop of God's wrath, he's going to drink up so that we would never have to endure any of it. So he's using that language, and he says, he says, God, if there's any other way, would you take this cup from me? If there's any other way for us to buy back, redeem back, purchase back humanity, to forgive them of their sins so that they could be in right relationship, if there's any other way, let's do it that way. But then, what does he say, famously? But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says, this is what I'd like to have happen. There would be another way. Jesus, God's like, hey, we could do it a different way. You live 30-something years, just fly back on up here. We'll figure it out. There's, there's not another way. And Jesus submits himself ultimately to the will of the Father. He lays down what he's feeling. He lays down what he's experiencing and what he feels like he wants and does exactly what God wants him to do. Ultimately, we have to learn to get up. And walk into what God has for us. Submit to the will of God. The best thing to do when you're feeling stressed or don't know what to do is do what God's word says for you to do. When you don't know what's next, it's important that you fall back on what you know. What does God's word say? Maybe first start with like mentally and identity. What does God's word say about you and who you are? Start there. And then, okay, what has God called me to do? And we talk about this all the time in youth. And if, you, if you're graduating and you're going off to something else, this is a good thing for you to hold on to. In order for you to understand God's specific will, you've got to, you've got to live in God's general will. Right? In order for you to walk in God's specific will for your life, his specific calling he has on your life, you've got to walk in his general calling in your, on your life. And the general will is found in God's word. This is, this is what Christians are called to do, right? Basically, any verse that starts with brother or sister or, 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 or fellow believer or as a Christian, it looks like this. You just start doing those things. The general will, and then God opens up the door for the specific will. So when you don't know what to do, you fall back on what you do know. You go back to, okay, this is what God says about me. The best thing you can do when you're feeling stressed or you don't know what to do is what God's word says. Worship team, you guys can come back up here. But this is, this idea that we're talking about is, is the crucified life. Where we deny ourselves, we take up our cross and follow Jesus. This whole series, we've been talking about this idea of via dolorosa of the, or the, the, the suffering way. The, the road that led Jesus to the cross. And all of the things he would experience on the way are all of the driving forces that got him ultimately to the cross. 
And this is sort of the, the, the crux of it all. This is the moment where Jesus says, okay, not my will, but yours be done. And then what, how does it end? Notice it. It says this, the very last verse, verse 42. He, or he, he wakes him up. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Listen to this. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Rise, he's talking to the disciples. They've been sleeping. Hey, you were supposed to be praying with me. I know you're tired. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus, full force, head on, steps exactly into what he's called to do. This is the crucified life where we lay down our desires, our wants, our feelings, our whatever. We lay it down. We pick up our cross and we follow Jesus. Stress is going to come in life. No matter what season of life you're in, but Jesus teaches us how to walk through it. We walk through it through prayer, stopping whatever it is you're doing, and praying. Now, I said, I said earlier, I said stop stressing, start praying. And I, I don't want you to, like, mishear me. Because I understand that stress and worry and anxiety is not something you can just click off. A lot of the times it's, it's you're still stressing and you start praying. Right? It's, it's, it's fear and doubt aren't mutually exclusive. Right? Fear and worry and, and stress and walking in faith, they, don't, they, they aren't completely separate from one another. What often happens is fear and doubt and worry and stress happens and we choose any way to walk in faith. We choose any way to pray. Even when it feels like our prayers are just falling on the ground before us, we have to trust that God's actually hearing them. He cares about us. He's working in our life. And so stress, it happens, but it's important that we take it to God, that we pray. And can I encourage you, pray one thing that you need. What do you need? Okay, what's most urgent, what's right in front of me, God, I need, God, would you help me? Would you free me? Would you give me strength? What's, what's right in front of you? God, help me. Secondly, like Jesus, you need people. People that will, hey, would you, would you stay awake and pray with me? Would you, would you help me? Would you encourage me? Would you set a reminder on your phone? Would you pray for me? Would you stand with me? And can I encourage you, if, if, if you do that, if you set a reminder of your phone, would you tell the person that you're praying for? Just so you know, I, I'm praying for you. It doesn't have to be specific. You don't have to be weird, right? You don't have to be like, but just to, I, I think it's important that we know, whenever people tell me that they've been praying for me, hey, God, God just put, put you on my heart and I was praying for you today. I, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I've been praying for you. Even if there's nothing major going on in my life, just to know that people are in their life and in their stress and in their busyness and in their craziness, they're praying for me. Like, wow, God, you're so faithful. So pray for, pray for one another. And then ultimately submit to God's will. Live the crucified life where we daily take up our cross and follow after Jesus. We deny ourselves, our desires, our feelings, our, our, what we think is right, what we want most, or whatever we think is the best thing for us. We say, ultimately, God, I want what you want. Not my will, not whatever I think is best. God, what you think is best. God's for you. He wants to work in your life. 
God's with you no matter what you're walking through. God sees you when you're stressing. God, God hears you when you're praying. God, God, God knows every, every doubt thought you have, every thought you have filled with faith. Everything that you're walking through, God knows you, he sees you, he cares for you. And he wants to help you in whatever season you're in. So be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged that, that you can get through it. That God is with you. There's victory on the other side. There might be more pain. The sweating drops of blood was nothing in comparison to what Jesus was about to walk into. Nothing. He, Jesus is like, I'm sorrowful even to death, death in this moment. You have no idea what's coming. It's going to get so much worse before it gets better. Huh. But what happens? We know the story. The crucified life doesn't end with the crucified life. The, the road, the suffering road, that's not the end of the story. We don't worship a God that just died. We don't worship a God that just went to a cross. We, went to a, uh, we worship a God that went through the cross. He went through the cross and he rose again three days later, declaring that his victory is our victory. And we can stand as more than conquerors, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so it's the crucified life, but it's the victorious life in Christ Jesus. And we can have greater joy and greater triumph and greater victory and greater hope and more true identity than anybody else in the world because we know who we worship, a, a God that doesn't let death defeat them, a God that rises again and gives us his victory. So hope, hope in God. Hope in God. Seniors, as you graduate, hope in God. Eighth graders, as you're moving to high school, hope in God. People that are going just from 10th grade to 11th grade or wherever you find yourself, hope in God. It's not over. You can walk in victory. Let's pray.